Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you this morning, and we want to welcome you to the service here at uh, Faith Community Church. Glad that you're here, and trust that uh, God is going to meet you in a wonderful, powerful kind of a way this morning, that he's going to minister to every one of our needs. He's going to touch our hearts. Open your heart up. Open your life up to, to what God wants to do today, and, and you'll, be, uh, you'll be just amazed at how good God is and how he how he loves you and cares for you. If you're a guest here today, uh, make sure, <coughs> excuse me, right in front of you probably is a uh, connection card, and we'd love to have you fill that out. Just put your name and address and phone on that, and, and then right after the service, take it to the back to the, uh, to the uh, uh, information table, and somebody will greet you there. We've got a gift for you there, and and uh, we just want to be able to connect with you, send you a letter this coming week, and express our appreciation for you being a part of this service today. Would you stand? I'm going to read from the Word of God this morning. Reading from God's Word here, I'm going to read from Psalm 1. Wonderful psalm, talking about the way of the righteous and also the way of the ungodly, too. So listen to what God says. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor <clears throat> sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in season, whose leaves shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Now, the contrast here comes up. The ungodly are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we thank you so much. We're delighted to be in the house of the Lord this morning. It's good to be with others today, and it's good to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. But more than that, to be able to enjoy the fellowship of the Father who is with us. We thank you for Jesus today. We thank you for his life-giving uh, work in our lives. We thank you for the work of the Holy Spirit that, that constantly opens our hearts and helps us to be aware of Jesus. Father, I pray today that you'll touch people's hearts. I pray that you'll minister to their needs. I pray for those who may have walked in with discouragement upon their lives. And I'm praying earnestly that in the name of Jesus, that you will be an uplifter of their lives and their soul. Father, I thank you today. I ask you to touch their lives, minister to the physical needs of every person here. I pray that those who are seeking wisdom, that that wisdom will be discovered as we worship together, as we hear from your word today. Let the blessing of God be so rich, so real this morning in this church service. We thank you in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Would you please turn in your Bibles today to Hebrews chapter 3. Hebrews chapter 3. And beginning in verse 15. 
I want to just simply tell you that every time I've come to this uh, platform, I've come with expectancy and I've come with confidence that God is going to do good things in people's lives. I've always had that expectancy, always had the confidence in the power and the work of the Holy Spirit to move upon people's lives, to open their hearts, even hearts that may have come in cold and closed, that he warms their hearts and they can receive Christ. I'd like to express some notes of appreciation here. First of all, I'd like to give great thanks to Pastor Russ, Pastor Lance, Pastor Paul. These are wonderful servant leaders. And they're great brothers in the Lord. Thank you so much. I'd like to express thanksgiving to Jane Larson. Jane has provided leadership in developing, in my opinion, perhaps the strongest children's and Christian education program, certainly here in this part of the state of Iowa and in this church. I remember years ago when we first proposed the idea, we should have a children's church. And that was almost like a thunderbolt or a lightning bolt out of the sky as to, first of all, what is it? And second of all, I don't know how that could be possible. Our children must be in church with us. Now, I'd like to hear, <laughs> I think it's the other way around easily by now. We love them in that kids' church atmosphere where everything is tuned into their perspective and their uh, levels of, of learning and and acquiring what God has for them. So thank you, Jane, so much. Some special thanks here to Donna Pearson, uh, uh, to Linda Rolfs, Katie Bindle, church office support staff. I can tell you this, that this job would just be as rough as you could be without their support. They're incredible people. Thanks to Janice Martin, for keeping our church just so well taken care of and clean and everything else. And to Donna C. Husen for her work as our church bookkeeper. We've come a long ways in that department too. And uh, the larger a church grows, the more complexity that comes into many different things. I'd like to express thanks to an army of volunteers uh, here at Faith Community Church, volunteers who weekly provide special support for all kinds of ministry uh, in, in this place. There's a lot that goes on behind the scenes that sometimes we don't even know what's happening, but it's happening. And if that person or those persons didn't show up, we would really notice why it's not happening. And so you are appreciated. There's a, just uh, so many. A note of appreciation also to our board of elders and the deacons for their service and, and for their commitment to this church. I'd like to express appreciation to the launch team for LifeGate Fellowship. There's about uh, around 25 or so out in this crowd, probably mostly today, and, and who has helped us get started in the high school auditorium, 
you worked tirelessly, you helped us in so many incredible ways. And um, we appreciate that. Our church, uh, uh, I think our church got off to a, a good start, a running start because of your capable help and all of that. Today, my, uh, <clears throat> well, the majority of my extended family is here and, and I appreciate that so much. I appreciate Dina. Uh, Dina's our oldest daughter. And when we uh, started in ministry, she was a three-year-old. And uh, she grew up around adults. So she really wasn't always a kid, actually. And everywhere we went, she went. Uh, we can afford babysitters. <laughs> and so uh, Dina was three. And, and then there's Rachel. Rachel is... Um, Rachel came along after we got to Alaska. I think Joan was expecting about four months along when we made that arduous journey from Springfield, Missouri to Anchorage, Alaska in a, in a Dodge van. And that was before they paved the Alcan Highway. And bouncing along and all of those things. I'm so grateful for my granddaughters, uh, Caitlin. Caitlin is a student at Grand Canyon State University and I think what, a junior? Something like that. <laughs> Emma is here. Emma, you're in eighth grade, right? Oh, well. Get a little promotion here. So, whatever. And then there's uh, our youngest little tornado. Uh, that's, uh, that's Olivia. She's four and a half. And such a blessing. And such a blessing to have Jason here, Rachel's husband. Uh, Darwin is not here. He had other assignments to take care of. Also, Ashley just moved to Washington, D.C. three days ago. So we're thankful for our family. I'm thankful for Joan. She's, uh, she's really been a partner in ministry for a long time. Uh, a great encourager, a great uh, support. When the will of God gives you directions, she was there. She didn't uh, come along and say, oh, no, I don't like that idea at all and all of that. There were times, I know, when she was a bit quiet uh, concerning the will of God, but, um, but a great support. I think my ministry would be dramatically reduced without her faithful uh, her faithful support and ministry. The book of Hebrews, chapter 3, verse 15, simply says, Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. I feel it's important to rightly divide the word of truth, but this morning I'm going to focus on really only one word in that, uh, in that verse, and that word is today. Today is obviously my final opportunity to share with this congregation as the, the lead pastor. I did a little math the other evening after 11 and a half years 
I've come to this platform somewhere around 570 times to speak to you with what I believe that God has put upon my heart that he wanted me to share with you. I think that's at the very heart of ministry. It's not so much that, and I, and I enjoy preaching series, that's a, great, that's a great joy. But so many times it's a matter of what did God say to you, why don't you say it to them also? So that was very important. So as I leave this pulpit this morning, I believe it's important for me to leave you in the present rather than the past. I'm going to say only one thing about the past. I'm so grateful to see a full church. And I'm so thankful that God has continued to build his church, grow his church, and there's more to go. There's still plenty of people that need to hear about Jesus. There's plenty of people that need to come in out of the outside and join the flock of God. I'm convinced that the most important date on anyone's calendar is today. The Apostle Paul said it well. He said, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. It's now. It's important to do it now because I know from firsthand experience, and I believe you would echo this also, procrastination is a thief. How many times have I put off something and said, I will do it later, I will do it next week, I will do it next month or something like that. And then I find out that I didn't do it. And I find out also that I missed an opportunity. I do that. I think that's a part of human nature and, and it's a part that needs to be disciplined in our life. But today is a very important day. There's something that we must also understand about time, and this is the fact. Yesterday is well beyond my reach. It's gone forever. It's gone. Tomorrow is what I would call a promissory note. And I believe God places the emphasis on the present. I can tell you that some of the most treasured moments of my life come from the events of being a pastor. I, I made it very clear when I went to the college that part of the deal, I was not the president when I came there. I was, I was the number two person. But a part of the deal was I want to pastor the campus church. And so we did. And I was glad to do that for about five years or so. And then when I did become president, I could no longer do that. And I missed the church. And I reminded my board of regents on more than one occasion that I missed being a pastor. If you stay in a place long enough, you get to see a lot of life. Lots of it. We have held babies We've placed a mantle on young people. We've watched them go through school, and some of them we've even walked in here as they brought their lives with someone else to be their partner for life in marriage. We have also walked with people to the cemetery to say a final farewell.
That's a lot of life. H.B. London was a, uh, was a very dedicated pastor for many years. I believe he was the first church of the Nazarene in Pasadena, California. Church of several thousand people. He also became a part of the staff, I believe executive vice president of Focus on the Family. I had the privilege of inviting H.B. London to our campus on two occasions just so that he could talk to us about ministry. And it was a good time. I remember something, I wrote it down, because something resonated very important. He said this about the ministry, when it's good, it is wonderful. When it is bad, it can be terrible. And I said amen to that. But understand this, it's the unmistakable call of God that keeps us in place, that keeps his sense of presence in our lives. It's the call of God. That's important. Paul said in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, he talks about giving gifts to the church. Those gifts would be apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers. I'm a pastor and teacher. That's my calling. It's a gift that God gives for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. The word pastor that Paul uses here is a word where we get our word today, shepherd. And it emphasizes care and protection and leadership of the flock of God. First and second Timothy have long been my friends in ministry. I go to them often. <clears throat> I, <coughs> I doubt if there's a month that goes by in which I'm not just browsing around in those two books because they were written to a pastor who was dealing with a church. I also, one of the, in my opinion, one of the very best chapters <clears throat> of the entire New Testament is in Acts chapter 20. I want to read a couple verses from Acts chapter 20 <coughs> that have been strong influences in my own life. Paul said in verse 20, he said, I have kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks, repentance toward God and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A little bit later, Paul goes on in verse 27, and he says this, I have not shunned to declare you the whole counsel of God. <coughs> Therefore, take heed to yourselves and all of the flock of God among you, which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his blood. Those things have been guideposts in my life when I felt that I was wandering, when I felt the wilderness a bit around me, <clears throat> I've gone to those guideposts, and they bring an anchor, and they bring a focus back into your life and back into ministry. And they've been critically important. <clears throat> in the 1600s in England, when the rule of Oliver Cromwell began, which followed the execution of Charles I. Basically, there was a purge and an effort to rid England of any vestige of the church. 
Many pastors were imprisoned, they were mistreated, the clergy was defamed, and a great attempt to make to made to reduce their influence in the culture. <clears throat> in other words, it was not a good time for ministry. Yet in the face of all of these things, there were some who remained incredibly undaunted and unafraid in the task of ministry. <clears throat> there is a small church named Harold Church, an unusual name for a, for a church, simply called Harold Church in Staunton, England, which carries this inscription. In the year 1653, when all things sacred throughout the nation was being destroyed or profaned, this church was built to the glory of God by Sir Robert Shirley, whose singular praise was to have done the best of things in the worst of times. Keep that in your hearts. Tuck that away somewhere. I believe we're entering into some seasons where it's not so popular to be a Christian anymore. Today, in 2019, the influence of the church and... <coughs> excuse me. It's okay, I think. Today, the influence of the church and the calling of ministry <coughs> has come under fire. It's being defamed. Christianity, like I mentioned, is no longer all that fashionable in some areas, and it becomes the object of ridicule and scorn. God is still calling us to proclaim the absolute truths of, the, uh, of God in a world in which relativism rules. Relativism, I'm going to give you the, the, uh, the definition for that, is simply the excuse to live your life on your terms regardless of God's direction and what the truth of God says. That's relativism. And we have plenty of it. God is still God, and God is not changing. This is God's Bible, and he is not rewriting it because the culture would like to see it in a different way. This is his word. And his word will stand forever. The flower may fade, the grass may wither, but the word of God, it'll stand forever. It'll stand forever. This has affected the church. We now live in a consumer-oriented society where people, thank you, where people do not ask, what can I do to help the church? But instead we hear this, what's in it for me? I think we must be very careful that time does not harden us to the wonderful things of God. And that's why I chose this verse this morning, not only because of the word today in it, but the latter part of that verse says, do not harden your hearts. It's very, very easy, folks. It's, it, listen to me very carefully. It's very easy to sit in a church just like this, where there are so many blessings and benefits and all kinds of good things going on. And here it is. The subtle thing is this, we can take it for granted. We must not do that. Never do that. The American Dental Association a few years ago had a little bit of an ad campaign, but they had a phrase that really stuck in my mind. 
It was this, ignore your teeth and they will go away. And all the dentists said amen. <laughs> ignore your church and it will go away. Ignore it and it will wither and it will run out of its energy and hope that is so desperately needed in a day like today. We need to be reminded that <clears throat> Paul was planting churches and doing ministry in very difficult times. And a matter of fact, on two occasions, Paul said this, a great door of opportunity is set before me. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe there are great doors of opportunity that are set before us. <clears throat> but those doors are not going to open just because we walk up to it and say, open sesame. They're going to open because somebody prayed, somebody sought God, somebody, somebody heard from heaven. And the mantle of God's will and his presence and his power was placed on that person's life. And doors open. Jesus said, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before people in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. Ladies and gentlemen, God did not call us to a cakewalk, but to a kingdom walk. We are kingdom people, kingdom people. And we need to respond to that and act like that and believe like that. The Bible says we are to be athletes in training to win a prize and we run with focus and we run with discipline. The Bible says we are to be farmers who face the unpredictable elements, the work of planting and tilling and we are trusting God for a harvest. We are to be soldiers who make a great commitment to a great cause and willing to give up absolutely everything that is necessary. I came across a little excerpt of a prayer just going through notes. You know, this week has been a, I don't want to call it a terrible week, but it's been an incredibly emotional week. My office became a stacks of books, and boxes, and tubs, and, and everything. You can't go through files, and you can't pull books off shelves, and you can't stick it in a box without being inundated, flooded with many memories. One of the gifts that God has given me, and I'll tell you this, this isn't a part of my, you're going to get it anyway. <clears throat> One of the gifts that God has given me, and I'm so appreciative of this, that God gives me great favor in remembering the great things, the good things of ministry. And he's also favored me with a failing, failing remembrance of things that did not go well. Those are already fading in my mind, believe it or not. I know what they are, but they're fading. And I'm so glad for that. I'm not walking out of here this morning with baggage. That's for sure. And I'm so very happy about that. I came across this brief prayer. It's an excerpt, actually, from a pastor. Somebody recorded it. 
a pastor in Iraq. Iraq has not necessarily totally settled down. There are fewer Christians there today than ever before. This is his prayer. Listen to it. Because it's filled with life and hope and God's power. Listen. Let us see your glory and the greatness so we won't shake because of the storm. Lord, you have put us in this country to pray for it, not run away and leave it. We are standing, or we are asking you, Lord, raise up heroes. Listen to this now. Let them rise up and roar like lions, standing at the gates of hell, proclaiming, Step back, Satan. Leave this land, for Iraq belongs to God. And I've thought about that all week long. Shall we not say, stand back, Satan? These communities that surround this church do not belong to you. Stand back. Stand back. <laughs> For they belong to God the people that you drove by this morning in your car, keep praying for them. Stand back. They do not belong to the evil one. They belong to God. Today should be an important word for every person in this room. For a long time, my personal life has been seized, I think, with a very, this has been years, it's gone, going on for year, years, decades. It's been seized with a special sense of divine urgency and a passion to, re, to reach the lost. God give us passion in the church. I can tell you this, and I mean this with all of my heart, when God, you get before God enough and you bring yourself to the foot of his cross, you'll hear the groans of a suffering Savior dying for a world that is lost. We've got good news. We've got great news. Stand back because we're going to tell the good news so that none be lost. Maturity is pressing hard toward the mark that God has laid out. Immaturity is complacency. It is self-satisfaction. Today, if you hear his voice, means this to me. It means that I have a friend named Jesus who wants to meet you, who wants to come along your side today and fellowship with you and walk with you in your life. And he wants you to walk with him.
in this life, not just for an hour on Sunday morning, but on Monday and Tuesday, all the way every day, he wants you to walk with him. Today, if you hear his voice, it is a voice of welcome to every person in this room. So, until we meet again, we appeal to you, do not be taken in by the world's cynicism. Cynicism does not come from the gospel. It comes from the flesh. Cynicism has no business being in any Christian person's life. Not cynicism. Speak about his hope. Speak about the victory that God brings into people's lives. Speak about joy. Let this world know you serve a good God and one who can do anything, one who can reach any person, no matter what the situation might be. <clears throat> Live your lives by values that are eternal and allow your life to be guided one who is far greater than any of us. I'm going to leave you the last thing I want to share with you are the words of the Apostle Paul. He says, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are noble, whatsoever things are just, and whatsoever things are pure, <clears throat> whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there's any virtue and if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate excuse me, on these things. Meditate on them. Put these in your hearts. Would you pray with me right now? <coughs> Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word of God because this word always has power. It always conveys truth and it speaks into our hearts. So Father, I pray today that in the name of Jesus that that truth has found a resting place in all of our hearts, and all of our lives. Father, I especially pray for a person here, or maybe several that have come into this place, and today there is a, there's a fresh determination in their life to live for God. I pray for people who may be really out of step with God, just kind of allowed their Christian walk to sort of fall off to the side, and they become careless. Father, I pray that today is the day in which we say we turn it around and it begins right now. No procrastination, no setting it aside, no making excuses, but today is the day. <clears throat> I pray for people who need Jesus in their life, who need forgiveness of sin. <clears throat> and I ask you in Jesus' name to help them commit themselves to Christ. Father, help somebody to pray right along with me this morning. The simplicity of these following words, Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Restore in me the joy of salvation. But also, I pray, Father, for the forgiveness of sin. My sin. Forgive me. Jesus, I repent 
of my lifestyle. I repent of my sin. And I ask Jesus to take the lordship of my life and the throne of my heart. I believe he died for me and he rose from the dead. And I ask him to be the savior of my life today. And I'm praying this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me, please? take a moment to sit with Joan. Sure. Congregation, if you could be seated, we're going to take a moment here to recognize Pastor Niles and Joan. And so while you're having a seat, we want to invite you to the screen. <laughs> 